Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. And I'm going to take you on a journey of rich storytelling through our now 40-year rich history. And I invite you to sit back and listen to these eccentric stories. But don't forget to take a few notes along the way because these eccentric stories are going to have tricks and tips to get you to that line come summer. So sit back, enjoy, and then we'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville. Today I've got Patty and Al Iverson with me. Uh, This couple is not only part of our Leadville family, they're also part of Baramakrati's Lifetime family. They brought Baram to the Leadville Race Series as a potential sponsor as Patty was trying to find completion for her own Leadville Race Series finish. So sit back, relax, because this is a fun one today. Well, Leadville family, normally this is the part where I ask if Leadville's found someone, but right now I have Patty and Al Iverson on the line, and they've already been through this process with me once, but the file corrupted. I lost it, wasted an hour of their time, and here we are again. So with that said, we have a saying in Leadville, you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. So Patty and Al, when did Leadville find you? (laughs) <laughs> well first of all we love you Cole so we don't mind yeah. an extra hour with you is a bonus Yeah. well I love you both back for sure you're, you're forgiven Cole <laughs> <laughs> um, back to 2007 we uh, this, all, so this started over a beer yeah this started over a beer with me with some friends that uh, a friend a mutual friend Peter Spencer had had <laughs> done one of the first Leadville 100 races when kind of there weren't any 100 mile races and that was like wow there's a 100 mile race in the mountains and uh, Peter had kind of thrown it out a few times to our group and I always killed it because I just do terrible at altitude I'm like I'm not going to race at 10 12,000 feet (laughs) but uh, three beers in the rest of the group convinced me we should do this. So, so with uh, three beers uh, altering my state of mind, I agreed to it. And uh, at the time, you could sign up with it was five people at a time as a group. And uh, so, four of my male friends and Patty, we all threw our names in an envelope, sent it off to. Uh, enter the race and it was a Friday night um months later got a call from your dad uh we were on our way to some event and he said hey this is Ken Clover I'm just calling to verify that only Patty wants to do the race and the other four people don't want to do the race they want to volunteer they want to volunteer (laughs) (laughs) and uh and and somebody had told them that, which we said, no, that's not true at all. We're like totally distraught that we didn't get in. <laughs> and, and then he said, and he said, your dad said, well, you know what? That's not the cowboy way. And I said, well, that's my line. That's what I use all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, you know, I was uh, uh, rodeoing quite a bit, team roping and your dad's got some history in that world. And so we kind of started talking about that and laughing. And, uh, he said, well, here's the deal. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to throw your, your names all in and you'll either all get in or, or none of you'll get in. And I said, okay, that'd be great. And then we hung up and I said to Patty, I said, well, we're in because he doesn't, there's only one check and he doesn't want to have to deal with it. So make <laughs> 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 <Thank you>. it. <laughs> Uh, he, told me I, he called, I think, a week later or some, something. He says, okay, what are you doing? And I said, I think I was downhill skiing in Colorado. He says, you better get on that bike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's how Leadville found us or we found Leadville. <laughs> well, okay, great. So you get on that bike, both of you. Uh, you come out and you do the race with your friends. I want to hear how that went for each of you, but let's start with you, Al. 
Well, so we, we came out um, with, uh, what should I say, great uh, respect and anxiety, maybe. <laughs> None of us had actually never ever raced 100 miles. Uh, uh, we heard so many different things, so we, we you know, fortunately did train hard and trained well, kind of knew what we were getting to, but didn't know how we'd feel at those kind of altitudes and so forth, so we came out, we did the race, and the four guys, we all finished, and we all said the same thing standing at the finish line. That was the hardest thing we've ever done. We definitely don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a one and done. And then we were waiting for Patty. And she didn't show, she didn't show. And I'll let Patty jump in here and tell her story of her first race. Coming into pipeline two, I made it by 10 seconds. I remember Josh, who was crewing for us. Um, Josh, her son, not Josh, yeah. our previous Josh. race director. Josh, our son. Josh Iverson uh, crewed for us that year and literally ran, I don't know, 100, 200 feet before that cutoff. It said, you need to go as fast as you can. And I did. And I, the guy behind me got cut. So pipeline two, I was the last rider on the course. So it's a little bit desolate out there when you're by yourself. Oh, it's <laughs> daunting. Oh, it's daunting. And then going up power line and I just, I, I ended up having issues where I just couldn't eat that day. And you just can't have a, you can't go to a race like this and not have your nutrition dialed in or figure out what works at altitude, what doesn't work at altitude. Well, what I was trying to eat just didn't work. So I couldn't keep anything down and it ended up being the demise of my day meeting your dad about three quarters of the way up power line with the scissors and he said wrist out <laughs> i started crying because i was so i was so mad i was so upset but i knew i was sick and you have to some, sometimes say to yourself okay is this an issue could i finish if i had three more hours i don't know because at some point altitude sickness you have to take it serious so I've been there before. Anyway, so that, uh, he, I think he took me to you. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he was on the four-wheeler, so we got to be really close that day. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I had tears running down my face the whole way into the finish, and you brought me into the finish, and the guy, <laughs> they're waiting for me, right? And I, I get out of your pickup truck instead of off the bike, and I said, you guys, we're coming back. I'm not leaving this in the dust. We have to finish this, and that means you're all coming back, so... So that was my year number one, which was very humbling, as it should be for anyone. Well, but I also remember sitting in that truck, absolutely how much you sold my dad on how much part of the cowboy way both you and Al were. and um, He definitely was taken by you from the start for sure. So uh, I think it was a very mutual, respected two-way street. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this relationship, uh, we, we, here we are 15 years from when this adventure began from you. So at this point, how many finishes do each of you have today? So I have 12, all, all buckles. So I have 10 buckles. 11 finishes, 10 yeah. buckles for me. Yeah. We both have the 1,000-mile buckle. Yeah. Which was really, it's really great to have that, I have to say. I look at it every day. <laughs> I think we're only one of two couples that have the 1,000 Oh, man, that's a lot of riding at 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. I mean, I'd really like mine, but I still have to earn it this year. So then maybe I can find out what it's like to stare at it, too. Now, but then also... This relationship between the two of you and the Leadville Trail 100 and my dad is also how Barama McCrotty, uh, lifetime founder and CEO, is, is uh, how he was introduced to the Leadville Trail 100. So, Patty, do you want to tell us about that story? Yeah, it, you know, when, when I came in on in your truck, <laughs> um, I and even before that, saying to me, you know what, you need to just get more prepared next year. 
Um, he said, you need to come back. You need to get this done. I know you can do it. And so I had no doubt in my mind, even in, even coming into the finish line, not on a bike that I was going to come back and get it done the next year. And what that meant is I had to have my friends come back with me. <laughs> so, um, filling that envelope out, you know, yeah. we had a number of people there like, we want to do it too. Yeah. So we did the same thing. You know, yeah. we put our, you were allowed five people in the envelope. We put the same five in. But you and gained then, interest. Uh, right. As we were getting ready to mail the envelope, uh, Rom called us and he said, uh, guys, I hear this Leadville race is really epic. I want to do it with you. Uh, like, you're number six. And we said, well, you're not too many, but we'll stick your name in there. And uh, we'll put a little note in there that you're uh, the CEO of Lifetime Fitness and if you need a sponsor, Brahm would be open to talking about some kind of sponsorship uh, if that's what it takes to get in the race because he really wanted to do it. It worked out great. Um, and then, of course, your dad uh, ended up losing his major sponsor that year, which I think was Quest, right, Cole? Yes, it was. I was actually working for their foundation at the time. Yeah. We yeah, had a, so. a not-so-popular CEO that was <laughs> – taking the company downward quick they cut sponsorships and foundation dollars right away yeah yeah so then uh again i think your dad got a hold of patty and said uh you know i just lost my major sponsor you think uh i think Brown might be interested in that she said well let, let's hook the two of you up um and of course that did lead to lifetime fitness becoming the uh the major sponsor of Leadville the next year. Well, now, and then your relationship, Al, your own personal one, it backs up that timeline much further. Um, you've known and biked with Abram for a number of years. How did you two meet, and how did the two did the two of you get into cycling together? Yeah, so that's a that's a great story, really. Um, I. Uh, I met Ron when he was literally like 21, 22 years old. I picked him up at the airport in Minneapolis. Um, and the reason for that was um, he uh, was working for a company called U.S. Swim and Fitness that was actually based out of Colorado. That The president of that company was a relative of mine, the guy, a guy named Greg Olson, who had called me um, earlier and said, I'm I'm going to come to Minnesota and build some clubs there. And I'd like, I want to know if you'd help us with site location. I said, of course, I'd love to do that. And so I was doing all the site location for U.S. Swim and Fitness here in the uh, Twin City metro area. He said, I'm going to send two guys to Minnesota. I'm going to send a guy named Mark Saves. He'll be our first manager um, and work with him on locations and stuff. And then I'm sending a, another guy named Brom Crotty, and then he, he didn't elaborate on what that guy did. <laughs> well, what the Brom guy do? He says, I have no idea. <laughs> he, said, he says, he's my top sales guy here in Colorado, and he really, really wants to go to Minneapolis-St. Paul because he thinks it's a bigger metroplex where he can have more fun and have more dates. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and he's persistent, so I said, okay, you can come. <laughs> <laughs> so I picked these two guys up at the airport, and we started you know, doing sites, and it was evident to me immediately that Brom was going to end up running everything because he was right. He was persistent, passionate, and uh, he didn't need direction. He just went forward. Um, and that developed into a, an absolute great friendship. Uh, and we became really close friends and uh, actually I was fortunate enough to be one of the original shareholders in Lifetime Fitness uh, because of that relationship, um, which which he started that business years later. Um, and then biking. So the way we got into biking was I was on a downhill race team. And one of, the, one of my teammates owned a chain of uh, bike stores here in the Twin Cities. And they were a sponsor of a mountain bike race called the Schwamigan Fat Tire in northern Wisconsin, which is the largest mass start mountain bike race in North America. Um, somewhat famous. Uh, people like uh, 
Greg Lamont have won it and numerous other people off the tour have done it. Gary Fisher's been there and raced. And uh, anyhow, he said, you, he came to racing one night and said, you guys ought to do this. And he handed out applications. And so me and a friend signed up and we were training for it. We had no idea what we were doing. Um, and uh, we were... We were doing 20-mile training rides for a 40-mile race, thinking we were super prepared. Came off the trail one day, two weeks before the race, and ran into a friend of mine that was actually the vocal ski rep that I had been buying my skis from. And I knew he was a pretty good biker and had finished this race numerous times and kind of the upper end of it, one of the fast guys. And I uh, said, hey, we just did 20 miles today. How about you guys? And he he looked at me and he said, oh, really? He said, yeah, we just did 50. And I, <laughs> honestly, I thought, I, I said to him, I said, you mean like this week? I <laughs> <laughs> no, this morning. <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> and, uh, and then he looked at me and he says, well, you're not going to like do the race with only having trained 20 miles at a time. You got to go at least as far as the race. (laughs) 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 No kidding me. (laughs) And uh, so then my friend and I said, "Okay, we're uh, we need to go 40 miles next Friday, a week before the race." So we've got this in. In the meantime, Brom and and another friend, Dave Schultz, uh, who wanted was going to, they were both going to do Schwam again too. Said, "Well, we better come with and." and do that 40 miles. <laughs> uh, the only thing you saw was carnage. Lots of people laying on the side of the trail, cramping. <laughs> no anything about nutrition, training, anything. So that was our start of mountain biking. It was pretty pathetic. <laughs> but we were fortunate enough to meet lots of great bikers in the process and learn from them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But all, And also speaking of schwamigan and great relationships um that began another passion for you you and patty met at that famous bike race in 2000 what was that experience like for the both of you well it's funny at the time i was doing adventure races uh with peter spencer Uh, (laughs) his name keeps coming up a lot he's gonna find his way out here on this podcast someday Yeah, and Kent, who's done Leadville several times, too, and a guy by the name of Chris Thorson, but we would do four-person adventure races together, and I remember Peter saying, hey, um, a guy by the name of Elry Iverson, you used to work for a Coldwell Banker, is going to be up at Schwamm again, and I'm like, who the hell's Elry? <laughs> That's in my life, and he says, no, you know him, he's in real estate, and I couldn't figure out who he was um, and, until the start line. And I looked over, I'm like, Al. <laughs> and we kind of, we literally played cat and mouse the whole way through the race and um, ended up doing one of the pen cycle parties after with Pat Sorensen and the whole gang and uh, the rest is history. Yeah. Uh, so so for those that don't know, uh, my real Norwegian name is Elry, but everybody calls me Al with the exception of a few people. And amongst those few people is Brom. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, Peter Spencer, I met Peter actually kind of through Brom and some other friends. So, so he called me Elry. So <laughs> that was the confusion. Well, <laughs> oddly enough, I guess I even have a story about that because we'd gone out. It was when I first moved to Minnesota and we'd all gone and pre-rode Schwamigan, <clears throat> and we were all together. And Al, or I mean, Barom kept yelling for Elry. <laughs> I kept looking around, like, is there some other guy here that that I didn't know about? And then it dawned on me, you know, who he was talking about, and and you yeah. informed me a little more about where that came from at that time. So I always thought yeah. that was a good story as well. So now you're finding you know, a little success in, in your biking, a little success in your love life. You've been successful at this, you know, you've, you've been president of Lifetime prior uh, pr- to Lifetime's athletic event branch prior to chemo taking over. 
Um, you were co-founder and CEO of the Iverson Realty Group and senior vice president at Coldwell Banker. Um, boy, life has sure seemed to blossom in the right directions. What are your secrets to that success? And do you translate that business success to this fitness success? Well, you know, certainly uh, my life has been extremely blessed. Very grateful for that. A lot of, a lot of grace from God. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the business world and the uh, athletic world uh, run parallel and the traits that work on one side work on the other. Um, and I've always been a very goal-oriented person, high expectations, and, and willing to do the, the work that's necessary to become better. Um, and huh. that's certainly, you know, that's what Leadville's all about is, you know, finding out what your limits are, finding out what you've got inside, finding out, how do I go forward when I everything tells me I should quit? It's too mm-hmm. hard. All of those perseverance things apply to, to real life. And also another note is surround yourself with good, positive people. Whether it's in your personal life, your athletic life, your business life. I'm sitting in our real estate office right now with the best things in sliced bread, and her name's Andrea Goodland. <laughs> and honestly, she makes us better in every way in our business, and our clients say the same thing. I'm one of those clients that can vouch for all three of you in that room. <laughs> she's doing real estate work as we're talking to you, but um, but in any event, it's it's surrounding yourself with good training partners and people who are positive about you know all aspects of life, and it's all intermingled because really to do a, an event like this is such a soul searching event. You have to be in the right place to make it successful. For sure, you do now and. We always talk about our Leadville family, and you all are a big part of that. And, I mean, we we got a lot closer when I did my time out there in Minnesota. And, you know, I know what what this event has meant to both of you, but uh, I would love to hear in your words for our family members how what Leadville has meant to you and how it shaped your lives beyond race day. You got it. Nine plus hours to figure that out in the court. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of that. And, you know, what's really great about that event is how the, the, the meeting ahead of time is like going to an evangelist or <laughs> dad. He's got a career if he wants it. Um, but really just bringing out the best in you and the, and the motivation and the people surrounding you. And you realize when you get out of that course, your people are your people. We all know that in any event, you kind of circle with the same folks all the way through and they get to be your buddies, whether you're talking or not, you're there with them in spirit, you're motivating them, they're motivating you. And that's a soul searching event. And that happens in Leadville every race. It happens to every single person who does that race. It doesn't matter how, if you're an elite athlete, you're a beginner athlete, it will happen to you. And you won't leave that course without feeling that and experiencing, you'll be a better person because of it. Yes, you for sure will. I think the great thing about what really transpired out of Leadville um, was because of the challenge of the event. It's one of those things that you need to train for for months and months and months. And to do that successfully, uh, it's really hard to do by yourself. So if you have other people that are sharing the same goal and, um, and then they become your training partners, that journey of training for the event became really bigger than the event, uh, and life changing in the friendships and camaraderie that was made around that, um, became almost addictive. Um, and when you talk about, I think one of the great things that has come out of athletics for both Patty and I is we've surrounded ourselves with not only athletes, but successful athletes. Um, and that kind of co-mentoring of each other is really, really positive and really addictive because when you are around those kind of people, it's not if you'll get things done, it's how do you get them done? 
and what do you try? And it's, it's kind of a great think tank of, of big thinkers. Um, and that's, you know, it takes in business too, is if you hang around with people that, you know, if you, if you hang around with eagles, you fly like an eagle. If you hang around with turkeys, you don't fly very far. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that is very well said. Now, now you talk about, it, you know, that it led to other uh, meeting other racers, even pro racers and other adventures. Can you talk about what that blossomed into, what some of those other racers were, not uh, other races were, and who some of the other racers you went with were? Yeah, so, I mean, I think Leadville really kind of opened the door to big races and big adventures, and then we kind of took that the next step and started doing uh, week-long mountain bike stage races around the world. We've done nine of them. Um, I don't think we're done yet. Um, but we've raced uh, La Ruta in Costa Rica, Trans Andes, Transalps. in Chile, across Europe, and Trans Alps. Trans Portugal. <laughs> uh, yeah, just lots of things. We've uh, raced in Africa. Uh, and probably, the, aside from, in our opinion, the best way to travel and see the world possible off the bike. Uh, just tremendous quality of people that we've met in that world um, that are all kind of wired the same. They're all doers. They're all positive. They're always, uh, it's just kind of, we did one race and then all of a sudden we made friends and they're all emailing like, well, what are we doing next year? (laughs) Have you thought about doing this one? Uh, And we can honestly say at this point in time, we can pretty much, sign up for something and go somewhere anywhere in the world and we're bound to meet people there that we've met somewhere else uh it's almost every time we go somewhere we find a old family and it might be before the race or it might be on the trail and somebody shouts your name sal it's me you're <laughs> we met chile <laughs> and so it really just ended up into this wonderful really international uh, family well, and I'd love to touch a little bit more on some of those international races, too. That, re- I mean, you really have scaled the globe. Um, that's a lot of different environments. It sounds like a lot of different characters at play. What are some of the more memorable moments from some of those races and which races, like La Ruta, were you on one of the years where you hiked a lot? Africa, what was what was that like? Did you ever feel like... Any critters were going to try to take you down. <laughs> well, Africa, I think they had, how many people did they have on motorbikes surrounding the racers? There was a thousand racers at that for nine yeah. days. No kidding. And they probably had a hundred guys on motorbikes with guns well. uh, <laughs> to protect the riders from town to town. Um, that was really our favorite event. It was just the people of Africa, the food just um i i don't know it it was really such a good spectacular this is south africa spectacular country wonderful wonderful people tremendous poverty um but yet out of that poverty um you'd see the kids go to school the kids were super excited to go to school because it was the best place they'd be all day and you'd see them come out of these just incredible you know slum ghetto type environments but they come out in crisp clean uniforms for school with big smiles and um they just loved going to school um and well, it was, a lot of those kids they would help they had an award for the the town that gave the best after party and these kids would get involved with the tent, you know, the whole mess tent is what they call it. Okay. And and then whoever won, I think they got most of the proceeds from the race uh, goes from the towards, goes towards libraries yeah, and school systems. For their school. Yeah. So it was really a Which well is run. really a big deal there. So that event was called Joburg to See. Yeah. Okay. And that was, you know, we had fortunate, we made some really good friends with, uh, you know, some more high profile bikers over the years through these Rebecca rush has become a good friend of ours and 
that really started through Leadville. Yeah. Uh, as I think a lot of people know, she won Leadville four times, and um, we ended up racing with her and uh, Trans Andes in Chile. And, and Patty actually ended up uh, doing the Ho Chi Minh Trail uh, with Rebecca years ago, and you can kind of talk to that, Patty. Oh, just she's an amazing person, and and her story is fantastic. And if you ever get a chance to watch the documentary called Blood Road, it's a journey of her finding her dad, really not more than ten years ago, on the Ho Chi Minh Trail. His pilot, he was a pilot, crashed during the American War, and uh, they found his teeth in his plane. Oh and goodness with a professional Vietnamese uh, mountain biker. They 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 ride the whole length of the Ho Chi Minh Trail, which is over a 1,000 miles, and uh, Red Bull is her sponsor. And so she said, we were the first group that went after the movie was created. She said, I need to show you where I've been. And so if you get a chance, and they she's got a wonderful um, organization called uh, called MAG, which is basically the, un, the unexploded ordinances that are still littering that area, keep exploding in these uh, communities. And so, um, but check out her Blood Road movie. She's yeah. just, she's got a big story and she's a tremendous athlete. Yes, she is, to say we the met, least. So that's an example of like, where do we meet some of these people? Dave uh, Means we've met there. I mean, just uh, wonderful people. I think a lot of people may know uh, Sonia Looney. Yep. Yeah. Uh, similar history to Rebecca, world 24-hour champion. Uh, many, many podiums, particularly in stage races around the world and another just great lady we met her She's in so nice and and the yep. single track six with her and bc bike race and jeremiah bishop uh he actually did the african race with us uh, just a, a yeah. lot of wonderful great people in the bike community yeah, Jer- yeah jeremiah is one of my favorite of the when he came in 2010 he didn't bring his driver's license and we had we had one of our longtime runners work in the you know check in, and his name's Bill Moyer. Bless his heart. I mean, he's just a fabulous guy. But he doesn't know Jeremiah Bishop, and he walked Jeremiah over to me. And said, "You know this guy?" I said, "Yeah, I think I can vouch for that one." <laughs> We, saw, we met him on the train. So the train yeah, we met him on the train. <laughs> oh, gosh. He must have had a lot to say on the way there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we didn't uh, lack for conversation. No. But <laughs> really good people in the world of mountain biking, and that's such a – they're positive role models for a lot of us and um, create great opportunities. Well, and, and obviously uh, your dad's one of those guys. Oh, yeah. I mean – I mean, I do, like Patty refers back, I remember our very, very first racer meeting before our first Leadville back in the old auditorium, and uh, and your dad gave his speech about being tougher than you know, and so forth, And but I remember him saying at the time, at the earlier stage in Leadville, the DNF rate was in the 30% uh-huh. ring, <laughs> and uh, I remember him saying, I want you to look at the person on each side of you and know that either you or one of the people on either side of you won't finish tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And you've got to decide which one are you going to be, the finisher or the (laughs) (laughs) non-finisher. And then he he said, then you've got to start thinking about, do you want to be the person that makes excuses all year? (laughs) finish uh it really hit home it really hit home like hey how serious it was but also like well i'm not going to be the person making excuses for the rest of the year that's not going to happen right i do what it takes if i have to crawl across the line to make it (laughs) (laughs) well and and he like you has a way of making that very lasting first impression you know while we're on the subject what other memories do the two of you have of ken and mary lee well, so actually, Ken, I remember my very first memory of, you know, personal interaction with your dad was awards banquet day, the, the day after the first race. And he walked up to me and he says, you're Patty's husband, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And he says, you know, I pulled her off the course yesterday 
And uh, I don't have any questions. She can get it done. She really wanted to keep going. She's got grit. You guys make sure you come back next year. Um, and, and we'll, you know, she'll get this thing done and she needs to get it done. And I know she can. Um, I said, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back. But it was, you know, it's interesting. Your dad's, I think a great judge of character. Um, and he knew how bad she wanted it and that she was willing to pay the price for it. Yeah. We, she, she didn't ever quit. We drug her butt off that course, but she was kicking and screaming when we did it. So, yeah. Well, and I, there's a good story there, and I'll let Patty talk to that. But, you know, it didn't come easy for you. I mean, the next year when we came back, did you get a buckle, Patty? I was 12, 12. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, Cole, it was my favorite year because I finished. And I think that it's so daunting. Those 364 days <laughs> in between are daunting. And, oh, yeah. and you do. And if someone is listening to this and they're like, okay, you're not, you're not injured. You're not completely um, shelled by altitude sickness. You have to finish this. There's mm-hmm. no reason you. And I needed to make sure that next year that I wasn't going to get altitude sick. So I did what I needed to do to make sure that didn't happen. And then I could eat food at altitude that I could stomach because you don't finish in a race like this without having in nutrition. Right. Um, but long, long story short is, is just that second year finishing. I cried. I, I hugged Mary Lee. I cried. I hugged everyone. <laughs> I was like, this is best year ever. And I didn't, I didn't get a buckle. I got a medal. And honestly, it was all about finishing. And I was ecstatic. And of course the next 10 years I did finish. Um, was super excited and about buckle. my buckle. Um, yeah. but that, that second year of the 12, 12 time, I was probably the most ecstatic I've ever been at the end of a race. Well, and let's just take a pause here and, you know, we're proud being founded of being proud of Leadville being founded on the backs of strong women out here and a 12, 12 is nothing to laugh at, uh, Lifetime CEO Brahma Crotty, first one, he didn't get a buckle either. And same with Cole Clover. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we've already got the two boys behind the tougher gal. So, (laughs) well, and it's a story about Brahm. The year that he um, came in over 12 is the year I did. That was my second year. It was his first year. But we were so excited to finish. And what was really great is my 10th year buckle, which was a 2019, mm-hmm. I finished the line holding hands with Brahm. And that was really special because, you know, certainly his world of getting into mountain biking and Leadville, we feel like we're part of that connection. And it was great to finish with, with him on my last Leadville. Well, yeah, um, absolutely. You're a big connection to all of it. The conduit. And then now also from that point on, um, your son, Josh, not only did the two of you race and inspire people and successful, now Josh has a finish under his belt. What was that like, that experience on race day for all of you? Well, I think that was really for us. Um, Josh started out, I think, when he was like, 12 or 13 in our crew every year at Leadville. And, and honestly, he was as enamored uh, with the race as we were from as a kid. You know, he just loved everything about it. He soaked it all up and he just loved the whole passion of the event and how epic it was. He became really like a professional crew. Um, and it was just so great to have him, uh, every year. And then of course, uh, as he got older, he's like, well, you know, I, I need to do this too. And we need to do this as a family. And that day came when he was, I think 21, mm-hmm. uh, first year he was eligible to race. Um, and, uh, and he, he got it done. I think he was like about 1030, um, had a good day and it was, it was just great for all three of us to be able to finish it and have that in our background. And I, 
I know in his future, uh, the right summer, he'll come back and and he he would really like to have a sub nine buckle, which I think he can probably get by uh, training and work. <laughs> well, and he's living in a little better location than the two of you for training. So yeah, yeah he lives in Bozeman, so he lives at five thousand feet. So that that definitely helps. <laughs> yes, yes, tremendously. And now, while you and you have another son, and while he isn't as athletic on the bike. Uh, some of that entrepreneurial spirit of yours has surely wiped off on him. Um, he's had a lot of business involvement in a new frontier out here in Colorado, but has since gone back home to join you on Dark Horse Farms to create a CBD brand. How is that journey going? And do you have any products that you want to, you know, highlight to our, our Leadville family? Yeah, we'd love to. Yeah. So, <laughs> So yeah, Jacob's history is, uh, he was a, uh, world-class, uh, mogul freestyle skier, um, for a number of years, number one ranked mogul skier in North America for his age, uh, which brought him to Colorado to ski with team summit many years ago. And he never went home uh, <laughs> out there living in the Breckenridge fair play, kind of all my area. And, uh, and he became one of the pioneers in the cannabis industry and uh, was a grower of medicinal uh, cannabis and uh, was one of the uh, head growers for one of the larger concerns out there, of which had a CBD uh, division um, and has had great success across the country with um, treating particularly teenagers with uh, seizures. Um, and um, allowing those seizures to, to, in many cases, just disappear um, through the right uh, mix of CBD and other cannabinoids. But uh, so he had a, over 12 years of doing that out there. We have a farm back here in Minnesota, and um, we became aware of a pilot program through the University of Minnesota and the state ag department um, to grow um, hemp and then for us to make CBD products out of that. So we started that about three years ago. Uh, Jacob came home to, to kind of run that operation for us and be our grower. And uh, we do have a, a company, darkhorsehempfarms.com. You can find us online. We've got a website and we have some just great products, um, topical balms, uh, capsules, tinctures, um, and we just had a lot of success with helping people with anxiety problems, inflammation, sleeping, um, sore muscles. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Which everyone muscles. has in this world of yeah. Well, so sore muscles and injury. Yeah. So of the two of those, what products would you suggest? We have a balm called Cool Breeze Balm. That's a shea butter blend with CBD and menthol. We have a couple of different tinctures. It's a sweet peppermint um, oil. I don't know if our listeners have tried CBD oil, but in the past, no one's really gotten a good flavor out of it. I think this is really good. It's a sweet peppermint. It's all organic, veganic. A couple of different strengths. Our recommendation is a 2,500. I sleep eight hours a night, solid sleep on it, and I'm not groggy the next day, and I'm in my 50s. So um, a lot of our clients you know, have problems sleeping. Um, we also have a sleeping capsule. But both of those really work well for um, inflammation too, and just uh, anxiety. Or a thousand milligram is a good, you know, use all day long. But we have a couple of kids right now that went from a hundred seizures a day to zero. I mean, ADHD. that's incredible. And yeah, I've... cool. We have horses that are calm, dogs that are calm. So we do have pets. Pet uh, we have horses on our farm and several dogs, and so we've kind of come up with our own concoction of what works for them, and it works for others too. Yeah. So we love it. Oh, yeah. wow. I guess I didn't realize that you had the, the pet products as well, but that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's all on our farm, and we know where it came from. Yes, that that that's the beauty of it all, right? That's what makes it – that's how you know you're getting – something yep. good or bad in your system. Yeah, it's, it's all good. Well, and speaking of all good, 
Okay, so let's get back just a little bit of, before I let you guys go, I want to get a little bit back more to the race uh, for our new family members and talk to them a little bit about what you think is the best advice each of you can offer that's going to get them to that line, whatever line it is, this summer here in Leadville. Well, so I think if you've never done the race before, you know, people come with such varying backgrounds. So you, and I guess I'd separate that into maybe two kind of main areas of, you know, maybe there's that group that's just never done anything endurance wise to this level. And for those people, I'd say, get yourself some really good mentors that have done this type of race or really specifically done the race and listen to them and learn from them, get a good training plan. And if you can, I think the stage race that you guys do is a really great introduction to what they're going to experience, but in chunks that are manageable. Oh yeah. Um, so I think that's a great way, but if you come from the endurance world, which I think Leadville attracts a lot of those people that have, you know, have an accomplished endurance background, they're Ironman athletes, et cetera. Uh, then, you know, the big thing is make sure you know how you're going to feel at altitude. And when I say altitude, there's a big difference between five, 6,000, even 7,000 feet and 10 to almost 13,000 feet. That's a, that's a new world. Yeah. Uh, a human body behaves very differently um, and I think the big thing there is to understand that you can't race this race the way you would race at lower elevations. If you go too far into your tank over threshold, you won't come back. Uh, your day will be done. Um, so you have to really, really do this race with restraint, uh, and race your race, always race your race. This isn't a race for you know, racing somebody else's race or trying to keep up with your friend when you can't. It's mm -hmm. about, you know, your own pace. And it's funny as Patty talks about our trail buddies. I mean, every time I do one of these races, it seems like there's about 20 people that you seesaw back and forth with all day. You might pass each other 15 times. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> because you have your own personal ebbs and flows. <laughs> well but yeah and that's great advice don't don't stay with that person ebb and flow yeah, yeah. because you may have a, a good section where they have a bad section and you may be that 12 hour rider yourself yeah so those would be kind of my thoughts um you know find great training partners again i just think this would be so hard to do just on your own, mm -hmm. but if you've got a group of people to train with it, it not only helps, it makes it fun. And as I said, actually the training part is the, probably the part that's just built such a wonderful family for us and camaraderie and friendships and, you know, thousands of hours of training over the years. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Patty, do you have anything else to offer? Um, about um, getting them to that line? You know, control what you can, uh, which has been the same for This is our mantra for a Control what you can. In other words, come to this race super fit, dialed in nutrition, a low weight. There's a lot of people that still show up at this race that are overweight. That can be controlled ahead of time. You do, you do not want to carry extra weight going up a hill. Not these because they're not, it's not a hill, it's a mountain in several places um and then being able to ride your mountain bike well because there's a lot of road racers out there that you know they're fine on pavement but they get on you know this loose gravel or power line or whatever it is it's ride this practice mm -hmm. practice because you don't win the race but you certainly you can yeah i think that's really good advice to that i think over the years you hear a lot of people the core that technical um but the reality is is it is a significant part is off-road a significant part is on scree 
uh, and you do need technical skills. I, I'm not exaggerating when I can say that I've seen hundreds of bikers laying off to the side with dislocated shoulders, broken bones, etc., because they didn't have the appropriate skill level. They had the endurance, but they didn't have the skills. Right. So if you come, you know, you've got a really good engine, and don't forget to work on the, you know, coordination part of it by spending some time off road. Right. Right. Okay. And along these same lines, um, what can, what advice can you give as it relates to crews? Like you've had experience at the race all these years. Do you, you know, in the last years, were you still having your crew try to hit say twin lakes or, or half pipe, or were you having to make a decision? Um, did you have a crew? Have you had years where you've not had a crew? And what do you suggest? So other than the first year, we've always had crew. Um, first off, your aid stations that the race puts together are fantastic. Almost like a NASCAR race. They're so good. Your volunteers are spectacular, and many of them are many-year repeaters. Um, so first off, I just want to say you can use the aid stations, and they're great. Um, but if you have a real time goal, uh, a trained crew can certainly help save time. And then I'd say, you know, there's kind of two categories of um, what I'd say racers, how they try to race. Um, the backpack people and the bottle people. Uh, <laughs> and that's a big difference your crew needs. Um <laughs> I'm a backpack person, uh, and so is Patty, but we certainly have friends that have been bottle people. Uh, if you are going to race with bottles, which I frankly don't suggest unless you're an elite athlete and your goal is somewhere under eight hours, um, I'd be wearing a backpack. Uh, <laughs> um, because with, with the bottles, you obviously need people to meet you in lots of different places. Um, cause you just in the mountains, you need a lot of hydration. You just, it's hard to do bottles without a really crack crew. And then the logistics get really challenged to get to those spots on time, get your racer. So, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I'm going to think that anybody that's going to do that, that's ultra fast has experience with that. And I'll deal that. I'll, I'm going to jump in and just for the backpack crew, um, you, you can get to Twin Lakes on one backpack. Have your crew give you your other backpack that's already loaded and ready. Make sure there's a shell in there. Yes. You could have, uh, and people forget that. You know, if you have to move stuff from one back to the backpack to the next, that's not a good idea. Have a second one. It can be a lighter one. It can be a 50 ounce um, with water bladder in it, not, you know, not the bigger one. Um, but take that, and then when you get back down, then your crew can hand you that original backpack, and that'll get you home. And if you need some help, still Carter Summit has salted watermelon, they have Coca-Cola. It's wonderful. And even going up Powerline, there's lots of help there. So you can kind of get by on that, and that's what we've done probably the last eight times. So so what she's saying, that's exactly right. If you're, if you're doing backpacks, your crew really only needs to be at Twin Lakes. Um, that's the 40 and the 60-mile aid station. And, and that's a really, that's what we do. We have two backpacks fully loaded with everything we need. And we just take one off. They hand us the other and we go mm -hmm. and back down. They've already refilled the other and you throw that on away you go. And then we use the eight stations in between if we need to, and not even need to, um, but they're there and they're great. Yeah. You're the volunteers. So you don't have to be following your person all over and it gets hard to do too logistically to follow them into the other spaces. But if you're set up right at Twin Lakes, that's that's a great place to crew, and that pretty much will get anybody with backpacks through. Also carry yeah. electrolytes. Um, I, have, I don't know how many times fellow riders have said, do you have any electrolytes on you? So I'm like, you didn't think about that ahead of time? <laughs> no. And honestly, it's like we think about it, but we've done so many of these. But, you know, a beginner rider isn't thinking about that. Well, and what happens? hours in like things just don't feel the same and you're cramping you can get through cramps 
you can get through it. You can finish this race, but you have to be smart about dialing that in. And that's where like a good a coach nutritionist ahead of time will say, here's what you, here's what you need for sodium, potassium, every hour. And listen to them. Every person's different. Yeah. Everyone's got what rate. And those are things that you do have to take into account when you're up at 10,000 feet. It's, it's a lot higher. Those needs are higher. Yeah. And then I, and then the other thing I'd add too, from a clothing standpoint, uh, one of the challenges of this race is you are likely at six o'clock in the morning race day. It's normal year. It's somewhere between 28 and 32. <laughs> it's cold. And you're starting down. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you're going to have a, a couple mile downhill to start the race into the cold. Uh-huh. Uh, so you're going to have tremendous temperature changes in a normal year. We will hit the seventies, sometimes low eighties. And it's not unusual in Leadville to go from 80 to 45 in a couple of minutes. If the sun goes away and a thunderstorm rolls through, the next thing you know, it could be 40 degrees or even it could be snowing. And we've been snowed on three times. Uh, I've been sleeted <laughs> on. I've been through torrential rain pours. So you need to think that through. You know, you always need a shell some super light shell, a vest, uh, one of the two. Don't go to Columbine, as Patty said, without a shell. I have brought rubber gloves, like surgical gloves, and heaters, like down, like going skiing heaters that you yeah. put in your glove. And they don't have any space. But honestly, <laughs> there's been a couple of years I'm like, I can't feel my fingers, and I've got to go downhill on, you know, for coming down Columbine. I'm like, that can be really unsafe for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, so for sure. Just that stuff doesn't yeah. take very much room in your back pocket. No. Uh, but it, yeah, and if you have crew at Twin Lakes, it's great to have in your bag an extra extra kit, an extra top, extra bottom, extra socks, gloves, etc. Because you don't know what condition the ones that are on you are in, and it's some years really save the day to get into something. Yeah, warm. Yes. <laughs> For sure. Leadville can be a cold place. You got to be prepared. It can be a warm place too. Yep. Um, speaking of which, what do the two of you think of when you hear the word Leadville? Oofta. It yeah. reminds me of 4 a.m. race day when we're driving from <laughs> one of the, <clears throat> and we literally um, see the mountain, Mount Massive in the diff distance coming into this town that it just, it's so like unearthly <laughs> mm -hmm. and, but well, it's soul seeking. And we always have been ones that have always had a prayer in front of this race that we all have a safe day and that everyone comes back healthy and happy. And, um, so it's a God thing too. And, mm -hmm. and honestly, but on a whole different level is, is not just in the, you know, the soul searching part of Leadville, but the whole like, it's, it's awe-inspiring. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, I think, uh, honestly, it's uh, it's been a spiritual experience. I love that. Um, we've, like we've talked about, we've done races all over the world, but I think this is the only one that really is it's spiritual. Mm -hmm. It creates a lot of emotion. <laughs> uh, every year usually at the top of um, power line on the way back which is about you know 80 miles about uh, and that's kind of the point where you're through the worst of the worst mm -hmm. there's climbs but they're not they're not killer um, and you kind of say you know if it's you got a plenty of time to finish. You're, you're kind of going to make it and so forth. And, um, I have many years all by myself, um, rode down the mountain in tears. Then you hyperventilate. So you have to be careful. <laughs> but, but, the, but the tears are really, it's about just gratefulness Yeah. yeah. that uh, you can be out here doing this, doing it with, Bunch of great people. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and you're so blessed that you're capable of doing that. And everyone yeah. should experience the boulevard. <laughs> press that nasty little ankle biter hill before you see the finish line. 
<laughs> and just gratifying how exciting that is. Yeah. Yeah. For yes, it for sure is. Well, I can't thank you both enough. Again, <laughs> this has been so great and you mean so much to all of us and, and my dad, Mary Lee in there, uh, best. Uh, they, I told them I was hopping on the phone with you today and, uh, I just can't thank you enough. Is there anything else you two want to say before I let you go? No, just thanks for, thanks for the great, uh, great event. And we're just, uh, grateful to have been part of it. So you exciting. Know. It's so exciting. And you guys are the best family ever, ever. Well, you're, we're the best family because you're a part of that family. Well, we just love you guys and yeah. always look forward to seeing you all. And who knows? Maybe we'll get back there again one day. <laughs> well, you at least got to come spectate. Yeah, we might be Josh's crew. We'll see. <laughs> that sounds like the perfect time. Right, so thank you. Thank um, you. Have a great day. All right. Goodbye, Cole. Goodbye. Well, there you go, Leadville family. Hopefully that was a good bit of race series history and a little bit of fun for you along the way. Hope you are now inspired, ready to go tackle the world, and we can't wait to see you this summer. We can't wait to see you in Leadville. In the meantime, please don't forget to give us a subscribe or a follow wherever you're getting your podcasts.